What's up, everybody? My name is Zach Shalmer, and this is Strong Opinion Sports for Monday, August 20th. I want to start, you know, first of all, I want to say I missed Friday. I'm really, I'm really bummed. On Friday, I could not talk. I couldn't open my mouth. I, I like, opened, I was like, ah, and nothing would come out. And I, I didn't know what to do, because my target is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Three days a week, record a podcast. And so, when I can't talk, I obviously can't do a show, and it was really frustrating to me, and I was really sad. And today, I'm still a little bit under the weather. I still... My voice isn't fully back. I can't fully talk, but, and I know that even if I called my dad, my dad would probably say, Zach, you need to rest. You don't rest enough. Take some time off. And I'm like, you don't understand though. This is my favorite thing in the world. Like I would love this to be my full-time job someday. I, I absolutely love, you know, recording podcasts and making videos. So I decided to do the show today. My voice is a little bit scratchy. I hope you can put up with that. I want to start by talking about the most obvious story, the, the, the biggest story of the weekend. That is the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight. Mayweather-McGregor. Some people were really angry this stopped was uh, stopped early. They, they were mad that the fight... They wanted, they wanted to see a knockout. People wanted to see Conor McGregor unconscious at the end of this fight. I am not surprised at all we didn't see that. In fact, I would say this fight went perfectly for every single party involved. First off, there was an element to this fight that didn't get a lot of attention. A number of doctors came up before the fight and said it was unsafe for Floyd Mayweather to box Conor McGregor. Now, I think that's a bit extreme, right? They're both adults. These guys knew what they signed up for. Still, the fight organizers had to cover their ass. You couldn't have a bloody mess and Conor McGregor unconscious at the end of the fight. It would make certain people upstairs look bad. You can't, can't do that. You can't have that. The other aspect this weekend was this was Conor McGregor's opening moment into a new world. Boxing. A sport where he can make a ton of money, way more money than Conor McGregor ever made in UFC. All Conor McGregor had to do this weekend was come out and put on a competitive showing. Can McConnor box? That's the question. Can he box? And if he can, how long will the fight last? And if he, if he can fight, will it, when will he fight again? My little brother Zane was a fighter, right? He used to get his butt kicked all the time. In fact, growing up, my brother and I would play pickup basketball in our driveway. We had, we had a weird driveway. It was, it was square, and it was you know square pavement, and then everywhere else was dirt. So we lived on a dirt road, had dirt all around us. So the way we played was we played at 21, and if you could, if you could hit a shot from off the dirt, from the dirt, off the pavement, that's a two. If you scored on the pavement in the weird pavement square, that was one point. I won every single time. I kicked my brother's butt. My brother must have lost a game of basketball almost every day. My poor brother. But I remember this one day in particular where we actually played a close game. You know, months and months of Zane getting his butt whooped. We, he was in the game. It was 14 to 15. Maybe it was 15, 16, but it was a really close game. And Zane was shocked. And Zane, we played a 21. I think I don't think Zane scored again the rest of the game. I went on to score. I think I won 14 to 21 or something like that. But Zane had hope. Zane was so excited. He finally was able to compete with his taller, older brother. Zane couldn't wait to play the next day, and eventually he even won a game. This Saturday was a huge victory for Conor McGregor. Everyone knew Floyd Mayweather was going to win the fight. The question was, how long would it take? The fight went 10 rounds. 
even though they called the fight. Who expected 10 rounds? That's like Zane, my little brother, being in a close game, 14 to 15 in basketball. After the close game, there was a chance he would win. The close game kept things interesting. It gave Zane hope. Conor McGregor will box again. In fact, I think because Conor McGregor wasn't knocked unconscious, that really helps him. It keeps people who allowed the fight from receiving flack. So Conor McGregor now was not considered endangered, which would have been ridiculous. Again, he makes his own decisions. But Conor McGregor not seeing stars was so good for him. It makes, first of all, it makes fans feel like, oh, he got robbed. He, sh- he didn't get a fair shot to win. If Conor McGregor had been knocked out, I, I mean unconscious, like stiff, you know, falling to the floor, that image would have been everywhere. Just imagine Time Magazine the next day or USA Today. That picture would have been everywhere. Because of how the fight ended, there's no horrific pictures of Conor McGregor getting knocked unconscious. There's no iconic knockout image. That, there's nothing like that. If that had happened... That would have been it would have been all over the internet and, and we might not have we might have just written off Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor might have been completely irrelevant if he got knocked unconscious. No, this fight couldn't have gone better for every party involved. First off, Floyd can walk off into the sunset. He's 50-0. He's the greatest boxer of all time. Cool. Undisputed. Conor McGregor was able to last 10 rounds with that guy. Conor McGregor lasted 10 rounds with the greatest boxer of all time. Yeah, they called the fight, but because he wasn't knocked unconscious and because of it ended, it's realistic to believe Conor McGregor could get a fight and he could be competitive in another boxing match. Maybe, hopefully, he will box Pauli Malignaggi, the sparring partner he had issues with leading up to the fight. <clears throat> and what's interesting to me is even though we all knew how the fight was going to end, everyone was still entertained. You know, I recently went and saw Spider-Man Homecoming. We all know Spider-Man's not going to die in the movie. We know it's going to end. We know Spider-Man's going to beat the bad guys. But we're curious. How does it get to the point where Spider-Man wins? What happens in between? We know the beginning and the end. The, the, the middle's interesting. How long until Floyd wins? Can Connor box? Can Connor compete? We all expected the fight to end. This fight went exactly as we should have expected it. But it was awesome. And the fight was great for everyone involved. It was like... The theme of this fight was a PR fight. It worked out perfectly for everybody moving forward. I do want to share some of my distaste for the whole spectacle. You know, one of these days, eventually I'm going to make a topic or a segment on this show that somebody that a lot of people hate. And I kind of wanted to just end up, I want to get it over with already. I want some hate. I, no, I don't want hate. Don't give me hate. But I kind of want it just to happen already because I'm kind of waiting and waiting and I'm nervous. I'm nervous. This might be the segment that everyone hates. This might do it. I want to share my honest lack of interest for the whole spectacle that was the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight. I believe fighting has an inherent problem. The re- this is the reason I will never be a huge fighting fan. Leading up to the fight, there were so many PR stunts. And there had to be. That's the nature of fighting. You have to drum up interest uh, for the match between both guys. That's how fighting works. It's all promotion. And it works really well. People buy tickets. They buy pay-per-views. It works. Boxing is all about drama. Creating stories to gather interest. But the car salesman talk really turns me off. All the parties involved were trying to manipulate me. 
And yeah, that's what happens. That's marketing. I know that. But it's just a bunch of used car salesmen. That's an issue the NFL doesn't have to deal with. The NFL is inherently interesting. The storylines write themselves. And even if, even if they don't, they appear to, right? It appears organic. One of the reasons I don't connect with fighting is because of the transparent marketing. It's, it's, it's not transparent. The obvious marketing. The, the marketing that's like, dude, we know you're lying. We know you're not old. You know, my buddy's from a small town in Ireland. And, and ironically, that's where Conor McGregor's from. Regardless, my buddy in Ireland went to go buy a new car. He, he took his car to trade it in. His old, he took his first old car and wanted to trade it in for a new car. He lives in a small town. And so his dad bought the first car initially. It was his dad's growing up. And he bought it at the same dealership. There's only one dealership in this small town. My buddy went in expecting to get about $4,000 in the trade-in. Now, I have no idea what that means for Ireland. I think they have euros there. I don't know if that's like a ton of money, a lot of money. I, I have no idea how Ireland works. But when he goes in, the salesman says, I, I can't do that. I can't give you $4,000. But I remember this car. This is the first car I ever sold. This kickstarted my salesman career. You know what? This car isn't worth $4,000, but I'll buy it from you because it has sentimental value to me. I'll buy it from you for $1,500. More than it's worth, I'll help you out. This car is sentimental to me. I'll buy it and I'll put it in my yard. <laughs> yeah, you know what happened the very next day? My buddy's driving his brand new car from the grocery store and guess what he sees? He sees his old car with the dealership sticker still in the back being driven by an old lady. <laughs> See, that salesman did everything in his power to make sure it would end up best for him. He took my buddy's car and resold it to an old lady after lying to keep the price down. Now, my buddy's an idiot. You shouldn't ever trust a car salesman. They're like the devil. But Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor aren't that far off. Leading up to the fight, Floyd Mayweather, a guy who thinks really highly of himself, was quoted saying he was old and he lost a step. <laughs> Does anyone believe that? Are you serious? Or all the leaks. You know that leak where Dana White leaked a video with Conor McGregor boxing Pauli Malignaggi. Even the way the fight ended felt like it was chosen best for PR. Conor lasting 10 rounds and having the fight uh, called early before getting knocked out. That's perfect. That works best for everyone involved. Everyone wins. But personally, the way fights are marketed, and, and I know that's best for the sport, but the way fights are marketed just drive me crazy. We do all these things that are, and it's best for revenue. I know that. This felt like a middling Marvel movie. Like its purpose was just to set up the next one. Conor McGregor is perfectly set up for another fight. This, I just, I just don't want to partake in any of it. My content's driven by the audience. So if people want to hear my thoughts about the next Conor McGregor fight, I'll engage. Hell, I even like Conor. He appears like the kind of guy who might get into a bar fight. You know, he once tried plumbing for a day. I find that relatable. I was almost a pipe fitter. The image of Conor McGregor that is sold to me is interesting. And he does a great job playing his part. He sells his shtick really well. I know fighting isn't going to change, nor should it. It works. They make a ton of money. And, and I know all, mar I don't want to sound ignorant. I know all marketing is inauthentic on some level, but this fight it felt like the promoters and storytellers for Mayweather and McGregor, they didn't even try to pretend. This whole charade was to drum up interest and then sell tickets. And that's how it works. It's more showmanship than sport. There's nothing wrong with showmanship. It just doesn't connect with me. 
It's not as sticky. Like, what happens when Dana White retires from the UFC? Fighting is far too dependent on fabricated storylines. I prefer football. Even if all the storylines are created by the media, I prefer that. At least it feels organic. With fighting, it's some guy, and this probably did happen. Some guy probably sat down in a room months ago and said, on this day, on this date, Connor says this. On this date, Floyd says this. On this date, Dana, you leak this footage. On this date, you go to Jimmy Kimmel and say this thing. It feels all scripted. It doesn't feel organic, and it's not organic. The fight was legitimate. I'm not saying that at all. I know the fight was real. That's not my point, but come on. There had to be a plan for the later rounds. If we get into round 10, Connor makes it, then we'll call it if he gets close. If he's looking dizzy, we'll just call it. For marketing, it's better if the fight ends that way. Is that possible? I feel crazy. Like, am I, am I just alone? Is it just me that feels that way? <clears throat> but that's part of the problem. I don't trust anyone involved who talks about the fight. They're all used car salesmen, and I try not to associate myself with those guys. When I can't believe what anyone is saying, it feels like PR, and it wears me out of politics. I'd rather not deal with that in sports. I don't want to. I don't want to have this lack of trust. I prefer authenticity. There's a reason I'm not into the WWE. Two guys yelling at each other to sell tickets, basically performing. That's not for me. I just I have no interest. I prefer paying attention to Kyrie Irving leaving Cleveland or talk about Tom Brady. I'm just not that attracted to the inauthentic nature of fight promotion. I, even if they're not, I prefer storylines that at least appear organic. It doesn't have to actually be, but just at least try to trick me into thinking it's organic. I'm going to take a short break, grab some water, help my throat. When I return, I want to talk about some NFL storylines. Then, because there, there are some rookie quarterbacks that are just... Two have shocked me and two have not surprised me at all. I want to talk about them. And then later at the end of the show, we'll talk about LeBron James is leaving Cleveland, but where is he leaving? My name is Zach Schellner. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'll be right back. I am what you would call a huge nerd. I love evaluating situations. That's why the NFL preseason is one of my favorite times of the year. You know, for football nerds like me, there's... Christmas and Thanksgiving and the NFL preseason. I'm a nerd. Like, like seriously, do you know anyone else who's excited to watch Trevon Boykin, the Seahawks backup quarterback, play football? <laughs> That's me. I'm, I'm that guy. But there is a major flaw, however, in the preseason. It's not a good way to judge a quarterback. The guys that are truly studs in the NFL dominate the preseason. You'll never see Tom Brady struggle in the preseason. Like Drew Brees comes in, he plays one series, he torches the defense, then he puts on a hat and stands on the sideline for the rest of the game. And the NFL preseason is not particularly good football. There are overly simple defenses, which are called vanilla defenses. And there are a ton of mistakes being made. And and to be quite frank, the guys on the field will not... They're not that good of guys. The, the, the players in the NFL preseason may never touch an NFL field ever again. <laughs> the expectation in the preseason is that the starters or the really good players do well. Your expectation is that you execute your job and no one should be celebrated for doing their job or meeting the expectation. That's the standard, right? When you meet the standard, when you, when you, when you are, when you're doing your job, that should not be celebrated. You know, like Derek Carr, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, all those guys set the standard. 
When you rise above the standard, then you should be celebrated. <clears throat> Those guys execute what they do and do a good job in the preseason. Everyone needs to slow down and relax when it comes to the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL preseason. People are like ready to anoint Mitch Trubisky the second coming of Pope Francis or something. It's like, chill out, relax. The guys who are any good do well in the preseason. So if he's any good, of course he'll do well. He's supposed to do well. That's what every starter does. That's the expectation. So relax. Stop overreacting to rookie quarterbacks having success in the preseason. It's the preseason. It doesn't even count for anything. Okay. We have that out there. You, you Now you know. You're expected to do well in the preseason. However, now that I've said that, there are two rookie quarterbacks who have really surprised me in the preseason. They, they have exceeded my expectations for them. Now, there are also two quarterbacks who are exactly what I expected they would be. So I want to start with the first quarterback who is exactly what I expected he would be. That is Deshaun Watson, the 12th, round, the, the 12th overall pick by the Houston Texans in last year's NFL draft. He played quarterback at Clemson, and in college, he did. He was, you know, he, he struggled with hitting open receivers, and he struggled with accuracy down the field. He's done the exact same thing he did in college in the NFL. He's making all the same mistakes and still playing with a lot of poise and a lot of presence. Now, media outlets are saying he is the worst quarterback in this rookie class. You can't. That may be how things appear, but you lack context. You need to understand why it looks like that. Deshaun Watson is being asked to do way more than every other rookie quarterback in this NFL preseason. He's making checks at the line of scrimmage. He's dealing with a more complicated offense. He's moving players. He's doing all this stuff far less than the other quarterbacks are. Deshaun Watson looks overwhelmed at times, but he should look overwhelmed at times. I shouldn't surprise you. He's being expected to do a ton. He's being treated like a veteran quarterback. There, what's great about his situation in Houston is there's no pressure for Deshaun Watson. He has no pressure to play right away. He can take his time, figure out the mental side of the NFL. And someday when he does play, he's in a warm weather situation. He's in the AFC South. So at least nine of his, nine of his games in the regular season will be in a dome. Plus another one in Jacksonville. So he's sitting really pretty. I like Deshaun Watson. He's not shocked me. He's not surprised me. He's just kind of, he's doing exactly what I thought he would. The other guy who is doing exactly what I thought he would is Patrick Mahomes. Now, for both of these guys, we need to just have patience. Patrick Mahomes was drafted 10th overall by the Kansas City Chiefs, and he is an absolute monster throwing the ball. He has also played just like he did in college. He's really streaky. At times, he looks amazing. At other times, he looks really ugly. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he's a streaky kid with an amazing arm. And in time, I really think over the years, Patrick Mahomes may be the best quarterback in this draft class. He's by far the most talented. He just needs to figure it out. He has Andy Reid as his head coach, which will really help him. Andy Reid elevates every quarterback he's ever had. And Patrick Mahomes has no pressure to play as well. He has Alex Smith in front of him, so he can take his time and learn how the NFL works. He can learn the system, learn the game, and eventually be really good. I really think Patrick Mahomes is a special talent who's going to do really well. But now we have two quarterbacks who have absolutely shocked me. I was really hard on both of these guys coming out into the draft. And even though they're playing in the preseason, I'm still impressed. They've exceeded my expectations for them. 
Mitchell Trubisky was picked number two overall by the Chicago Bears, and he has just absolutely shocked me. I I thought for sure Mitchell Trubisky was going to be a bust out of college. I mean, Mitch Trubisky started one season in college, and the one season he did play, he didn't even dominate. Like, what? How is he going to the NFL and playing even better? That's 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 surprising to me. So like, he just looks, he's making his reads far better than I thought. He's making better decisions than he did in college. He's more accurate. He's more in command. It's it's impressive to me. He's still not ready to play. And and, and he, who the guy who is starting this week for the Bears and the current starter for the Bears is Mike Glennon. You got to know this. Mike Glennon was signed this offseason to be the Bears starting quarterback. They they paid him like I think it was fifty million something like that. They paid him a ton of money and they're like, Mike Glennon, you're our guy. Well, <laughs> two weeks later, they went and drafted Mitch Trubisky number two overall, which is it's really weird. It's very obvious that the Bears have dysfunction within their front office. But a lot of people feel bad for Mike Glennon. I don't feel bad for Mike Glennon at all, and you shouldn't either. Mike Glennon will get every fair chance to play and be the starting quarterback. If Mike Glennon tears it up, Mitch Trubisky will never see the field again. We'll never hear of Mitch Trubisky. But the minute Mike Glennon slips up, oop, he's on a short leash because Mitch Trubisky's ready to play whenever. So Mike Glennon holds his destiny in his hands. Wouldn't you want the best possible doctor helping out your mom? If your mom's sick, you want the best guy on the job. It's the same with football. If you can get a better guy for the job, you should and you will. The final quarterback, the final rookie quarterback, who has just absolutely shocked and surprised me this preseason, is Deshaun Kaiser. I'm legitimately shocked. This might be the first time in my entire life the Browns have found a franchise quarterback. And man, that feels really weird to say. I, I don't want to overreact. Deshaun Kaiser does not look amazing, but he has looked really good. Obviously better than I expected of him. I was really extremely critical of him coming out of the draft. I I think he's still making a lot of the same mistakes he made in college, but for the most part, I was completely wrong. I I was wrong about Deshaun Kaiser. I accused him of being immature. And and then you watch him on the sidelines with the Browns, and it's like, wow, he has presence. They gravitate towards him. They like him. They listen to him. He just, the Browns feel different when they have Deshaun Kaiser on the field. He's not going to have a great season this year. He's he's still going to be a mess, right? The Browns just named him their starting quarterback, which means that he's going to go through a lot of growing pains. But I believe that's the absolute right decision. They need to get behind Deshaun Kaiser and support him. That's what the Buccaneers have done with Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston so far has worked out. They need to treat it like that. I really think, and it's weird to say this, I think Deshaun Kaiser will improve and become a viable starter in the NFL. But everyone needs to relax. Despite what everyone said, he's not there yet. Okay, so slow down. He's a lot of room to grow. But eventually, and this, this sentence blows my mind, I think eventually Deshaun Kaiser is going to make it happen in Cleveland. <laughs> that feels so weird. That feels so wrong. I remember last year saying the Browns may never have a winning season in my entire lifetime. <laughs> I'm really rooting for the Browns, man. It would be so cool if they could turn it around. If they could have a winning season before I die, I would be happy. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I know where LeBron James is going next offseason. But what's more interesting is why he's going there. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. I'll be right back. 
Earlier in the NBA offseason, Kyrie Irving requested a trade to leave the Cleveland Cavaliers. So on Tuesday last week, he was finally traded away from the Cavaliers to the Boston Celtics. All offseason, it was reported that Kyrie Irving wanted to get out of Cleveland because he wanted to be away from LeBron James. Now, if I'm LeBron James, this would bring me great shame. This would make me feel bad. He wants to leave me. It's like someone breaking up with you or, you know, your guy's like, I'm tired of working with him. I want to get away from him. That would make me feel shameful. So that's why when LeBron James responded on Twitter by saying this, I I was really, I was really impressed and really, um, I wanted to talk about this. This is what LeBron James said on Twitter. First, he retweeted a fan who put out a video, a thank you video to Kyrie Irving. In the tweet, LeBron also said about Kyrie that he is a special talent slash guy and that he has nothing but respect and what a ride our three years were together. I just, I don't understand how you can hate LeBron, right? Like, it's so cool he took the high road because the way Kyrie conducted himself was embarrassing for LeBron. He made LeBron look bad. LeBron basically kept the Wolves at bay. LeBron gave the city of Cleveland permission to applaud Kyrie Irving when he comes back to play in Cleveland. That's so cool. I just wish people would appreciate LeBron James, the dude, because he is such a good public figure. You think about it. He's been in the spotlight probably more of his life. uh, He's probably been in the spotlight more of his life than he has not been in the spotlight. LeBron James made one mistake a long time ago. The decision was not the best of decisions, but it raised money for kids. Like, I just, I think we should give him grace. LeBron James seems like a great dude, and I, I, I am impressed by him. I think he's a good person. He seems like a good guy, and I, I really wish people, more people gave him credit for that. Kyrie Irving has been LeBron James wingman for a number of seasons in Cleveland. So last Tuesday, when he was traded to the Boston Celtics, I immediately felt this was the beginning of the end. Without Kyrie Irving in Cleveland, LeBron James is going to leave the Cavaliers next offseason. So my question became, where is LeBron James going to go? What's next for LeBron? I've established before, LeBron James values experience. He doesn't want to play with a bunch of young guys. LeBron James got rid of Andrew Wiggins by forcing him out of Cleveland uh, when he signed there. LeBron James wants to win, and he wants to win now. It's funny, by the way. Everyone's saying, I'm I'm shocked. The Cavaliers would trade Kyrie Irving to the Celtics. The Celtics are their in-conference rival. Guys, the the Cavaliers have way bigger fish to fry. They're more concerned with that one team that, oh, dominated the NBA the last three seasons, the Cleveland, the, 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 the Golden State Warriors. LeBron James really wants to beat the Warriors. And the Cavs are worried about staying relevant when they lose LeBron. So neither party, neither LeBron nor the Cavaliers, could give a rip about the Boston Celtics. LeBron James is into the back end of his career. His whole approach has to be about legacy at this point. Legacy. How will LeBron James be remembered when he retires? Here's something that drives me absolutely nuts. When people compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan, they often say, I just can't say a guy who's lost that many times in the finals is better than Michael Jordan. Guys, you do realize Michael Jordan lost just as often, right? The only difference, the only difference is Michael Jordan lost in the playoffs before ever making it to the finals. So even though LeBron James lost in the finals, at least he made it there. 
He didn't lose in the Eastern Conference semifinals or the Eastern Conference finals. I will never understand why we penalize LeBron James for losing in the finals. When we don't penalize Jordan for never even making it there at times. LeBron, LeBron James knows, no matter how ridiculous it is, no matter, I, I think it's stupid, I think it's ridiculous, no matter how ridiculous it is, LeBron James knows he cannot afford to lose any more finals in Cleveland. But he can't lose finals anywhere, especially Cleveland. At least if LeBron James leaves Cleveland, he can say, hey, I tried. But LeBron James cannot lose the finals ever again. It will hurt his legacy far too much. Mind you, not me. I, I think LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. A little, thing, a little bigger than Sybil. So LeBron James, greater than Michael Jordan. <laughs> so with all these factors in mind, LeBron James values experience. LeBron James wants to beat the Warriors. And LeBron James knows no matter where he goes, he cannot afford to lose the finals anymore. So with that in mind, I came up with seven teams LeBron James could end up playing for next season. <clears throat> the first one I want to talk about is a long shot. And then after that, I'll move, I'll move into five teams that I think he could go to. And there's one team that I think is probably the likely choice. Probably the best situation for him. First, I want to I talk about this. The Portland Trailblazers are actually the long shot, but they're the best situation for him to go to. Of all these teams, I think the Trailblazers, with LeBron James and Paul George, would have a legitimate shot of beating the Golden State Warriors. I don't think it'll happen. I think LeBron James is too big of a star for the small market that is Portland. But I want to I want to say this. Let's just imagine they figure out the money and get this make this happen. Do you know who their starting five would be? This would be the Portland Trailblazers starting five. LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Paul George, CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. By golly, I believe that team would beat the Warriors. Now, remember this too. The Blazers beat the Warriors last year in the playoffs without LeBron James and without Paul George. So what could they do with those guys? If, if I'm if I'm Damian Lillard, the Blazers point guard, I'm getting on the phone right now and saying, hey, I, you're awesome. I want to play with you. You're really good at basketball. We should win together. Come to Portland. So I think that's a long shot, but I do think the Trailblazers are actually the best situation for LeBron James if he wants to beat the Warriors. Now, there are five other teams everyone's throwing out as potential landing spots. First, the New York Knicks are being speculated. <laughs> the Knicks are, are, yes, the Knicks are a historic franchise, and they do have a huge market. And that sounds great, but that's totally wrong. If you think LeBron James doesn't get along with Dan Gilbert in Cleveland, just wait until he meets the Knicks owner. James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, is an absolute buffoon. There is no chance LeBron James would deal with him and go to New York. So the Knicks are out. <laughs> Next. Guys, th this one drives me nuts. When people bring up this team, I just think, is this a joke? The Oklahoma City Thunder are not going to get LeBron James. LeBron James is way too big for Wind Turbine City, USA. Paul George is leaving Oklahoma City at the end of this year. And mind you, the, one of the most underreported stories of the entire NBA offseason is that Russell Westbrook is not signing his contract extension to stay in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City can't even keep their own stars. LeBron James isn't going to Oklahoma, so that's out. So maybe San Antonio. Hmm. Well, uh, LeBron James likes power. LeBron James likes to be in control. Do you know he's in control in San Antonio? Greg Popovich. 
He is known for being an extremely controlling coach. You know, LeBron once called Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavaliers, his business partner. I just do not believe LeBron James would tolerate being talked down to by the Spurs coach. If LeBron and Popovich could figure it out and make it happen, they could probably do special things. But Greg Popovich is a rigid old man, and LeBron James is the face of the league. Neither is going to change, so the Spurs are out. LeBron James will not be taking his talents to San Antonio. Another option that people keep throwing out there is Minnesota. First of all, LeBron's not going to go there. It's too small of a market with little historical relevance. But they don't even have the cap room to do it. They have that horrible Taj Gibson contract. And even if they figured all that stuff out, they're still not better than Cleveland. So, like, why would LeBron James leave there? That doesn't make any sense. He's not going to go basically stay in the same place up in the Midwest and go to a, an, an equal or lesser team. He's not going to beat the Warriors. That doesn't help him at all. So Minnesota isn't happening. Now, this is when I added... Maybe LeBron James goes to Houston. You know, uh, even if you could figure out the money, and even if you could deal with the issue that, like, who's going to handle the ball, the real issue, the real reason LeBron James will not go to Houston is this. You have LeBron James, James Harden, and Chris Paul. Do you know how much pressure that would be? If you don't beat the Warriors, you look terrible. LeBron James couldn't meet the Warriors with who? You're telling me he had James Harden and Chris Paul and he still couldn't meet the Warriors? So Houston doesn't pass the smell test. So LeBron James is not going to New York. He's not going to Oklahoma City. He's not going to San Antonio or Minnesota and not Houston. So where's he going to go? If you're an NBA nerd like me, you're a smart guy. You know that I did not mention the Los Angeles Lakers. That's because of all the teams people are giving a chance to land LeBron. The Lakers is where LeBron should go. And LeBron James would be the best off by going to L.A. When we talk about legacy, we punish LeBron James for losing in the finals. And there's only one place LeBron James could go and lose the finals without being penalized. That's Los Angeles. If LeBron James loses in L.A., it won't, he won't have the same consequences if he lose, lost in Houston. Now, we, I know playing with young players goes against all of LeBron James' values, but the young guys here would help him a lot. If they don't win the finals, Lonzo Ball, the 20-year-old, takes all the blame. We just weren't experienced enough. We have Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. We're just too young. We'll figure it out. We can't get there. So the Lakers are low-risk, high-reward. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Because if LeBron James is able to return the Lakers back to greatness, if he can bring a title to LA, LeBron James will be immortal. (laughs) If he can bring them back to the dead with young, back from the dead with young stars. And if he loses, LeBron James' legacy won't take a hit because the young guys will take the fall. And again, if LeBron James wins, he'll get all the credit. It's again, low risk, high reward. The Lakers are the best fit for LeBron. LeBron James will move to Los Angeles and he will play there. I, I met guys who had just had beating business meetings with LeBron James. I worked in LA this summer. I met guys who were around LeBron. He conducts all his business in LA. They're a wildly historic franchise. The Lakers are so well known. And LeBron James could play with three other stars. Paul George, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. And the benefit is if he isn't able to beat the Warriors with that roster, which it's competitive, 
But even if he isn't able to win, he won't take the fall. The young guys will get blamed. It's a perfect scenario. LeBron James is going to the Los Angeles Lakers because that is the best place for him to go and play. My name is Zach Schaumler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Please tell your friends about this show. Like the Strong Opinion Sports page on Facebook. I'm trying to grab to drive the show and I'm trying to work and build the audience. Once this episode goes live, the third episode on SoundCloud, I'll be able to submit it to iTunes for approval. So I'm excited. There's a bright future for this show ahead. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day, everybody.